Talking too loud. We get heady and healthy. Oh, okay. New slogan. New slogan. Nice. Yeah. And we give everyone like a gift certificate to future. And you know, <laughs> yeah. this is just, that's what we do here. Hello and welcome to Talking Too Loud with Chris Savage. I'm your host, Chris Savage. I am joined, as always, by the extraordinary, the thoughtful, the producer who comes up with everything that I'm supposed to say word for word. If I ever make a mistake, it's on her, Sylvie Lubau. Way to throw me right under the bus. I love it. <laughs> oh, Sylvie. We have fun. We have fun, we don't do. we? We do. Um, <laughs> so we have a great guest today, Michael Karnjanapricorn who is a founder who has really turned into a creator and he started both Skillshare and Otis, which is like an alternative investing platform. Um, and I've known him for a long time and it was really fun to have him on the show and really get into some really thoughtful, heady things about like, why do we work and what happens when you sell a company and what happens when you have a bunch of money? And it was a, it was a cool interview. So I'm excited for people to hear it. Yeah, super honest. I'm pumped. Yeah. Yeah. You were really liking this one, I could tell. Yeah. We will let the interview speak for itself. <laughs> you know what? This no is not talking to spoilers. Let's not let's not sell the interview. That's not what we're yeah. here to do. No. We're here to talk about what's going on in our lives. That's yeah. why people tune in. <laughs> yeah. They want to know about all the shenanigans with camping and hotels that we hate and yes. you know. Well, it's funny you say camping. I, I think I have to follow up on a few episodes ago. I was talking about canoe camping. Yeah. And, and what, I've been what asked, you needed to bring. Yes. I've been asked by quite a few people, did you survive that? <laughs> I'm, I'm here to tell you, yes, I did. Um, and I'm also here to tell you, it was so much more fun than I was expecting. That's amazing. It was such a delight. You know, I was nervous. Like, what kind of gear do I need? Yes, I ordered extra lights, uh, headlamps, and, you know, special socks. Whatever Classic. But the thing that I didn't understand is that the canoes are very big. And <laughs> what that means, you can bring so much gear with you. And it was like a super organized trip. And so we rented like camping chairs. I can't believe I'm talking about this. Camping chairs. <laughs> you only REI talk about like, camping now. That's all I talk about. That's my thing. Um, it, <laughs> camping chairs from, from REI that reclined. They had like pistons in Whoa. them. $5 a day. Hot deal. <laughs> um, and tables and stuff. And so when we we got on the boats and we loaded up like hundreds of pounds of gear, yeah, we went like 11 miles, I think, the first day. Damn. And then we found this beautiful little riverbed and set up like a real camp with like all these tents and chairs and a fire and tables. And then they started just making like barbacoa tacos and like all this stuff. Whoa. Like, this is crazy. I woke up and one of the guys um, made scones for every person on like a on like a, a My cast eyes are iron like, beep, 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 beep. yeah like a cast iron skillet that he brought with I was like what's even happening This is absurd this is not you're painting a picture that <laughs> is an exception and not the rule just for you listeners so? or viewers <laughs> yes I can tell you that your canoe camping trip is different <laughs> than the rest of ours Yes it's worth saying that it was like 72 degrees and sunny and the dew point, which we really paid close attention to that dew point that night. Dew point was about 51. I think we hit 55. No dew. No dew in the sleeping bags. No dew in the tents. It was glorious. Um, that is what camping is like, is mm. my understanding and mm. my mm. one experience. Mm. 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 Love it. Love it. 
this episode should come with a warning, like. Warning, which Savage Experience was probably exaggerated and also you should not expect similar experiences. Exactly. But I think, you know, speaking of of similar experiences and uh, someone else who likes camping, yeah. our guest, Michael, really talking about what, what gets him excited. What, I mean, he moved from New York to North He's Carolina. He's got the Southern bug. Yeah. Yes. So I think we should let him take the reins and, and jump into the interview. Michael, thank you for being on the show. It's been too long, my friend. Um, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I think we've known each other for over a decade at this point. Long time. I know. Oh, wow. it's the big D word. The D, D word. Yeah. <laughs> the D word decade. <laughs> oh, man. We're reeling our age, too. Yeah. I was thinking about when we first met, which was in, I think, like a coffee shop in New York. And I had known you online, I guess first met in person. And I walked in, I met you, I'm like, dear God, this man is stylish. Like, <laughs> what, what, what world am I in? Like, I was just like, I thought we were like the tech hoodie, you know, just like, like I'm wearing just like, you know, Wistia t-shirts all day. And like, this guy is on a different plane. And so I'm, I'm happy to see that you, you still, you yeah, still hold the bar. I still hold the bar. For, for <laughs> I think yeah. it's probably the New York vibe. Um, I obviously just change my hair color to whatever this color is. So always, always experimenting, always trying new stuff. That's good. And you're here on the show, Talking Too Loud. Obviously, the show is called Talking Too Loud because when I get excited, I cannot control the volume of my voice. I'm watching <laughs> my microphone saying that I'm almost peaking already many times through this conversation. <laughs> um, but we love to start the show by asking our guests, like, what's got them talking too loud? So I, I'd love to hear, like, what, what's got you talking too loud? What are you excited about these days? Yeah, yeah. Um, what's getting excited right now is... I moved to North Carolina about two years ago from from New York, and we were in New York for you know, twelve years. So, came down here big move. and yeah, it's a big, big move. move. Yeah. Um, moved during COVID, and I started. I, I, I want to call it like I caught the Southern bug. So I started golfing. <laughs> never golfed before. I'm straight up, straight, wow. straight addicted. Like I probably golf like a few times a week. Are you serious? Yeah, you had to. Like I went golfing all day yesterday. <laughs> Um, I started getting into fishing because when we first came down, we stayed at my wife's, you know, dad's house and he lives on the river. So God, okay. now I'm into camping. I, I wow. literally sit there and watch YouTube videos that are silent of people going on camping trips. So they'll just have like their vlog. <laughs> they'll just like make their tent. They like make the food and it's just them eating the food. Yeah. I mean, these, these YouTube videos yeah. get like millions, millions of views. So, um, I think the only thing I won't do is hunting. But um, yeah, I'm, you draw the line there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I draw the line there. But I'm I'm really getting into it. So, and the thing is, I never thought I would be into like outdoors. Like, I have like severe allergies. I live in New York. You know, like the thought yeah. of like going on a trail or going hiking like wasn't real. You know, I ran cross country in high school, and when I came down here, I was like, oh, dude, there's like trails and like woods and, and rivers <laughs> and lakes. You know, like, and you have a car now that I could drive there. And then, dude, caught the bug, like straight wow. addicted. That is, that yeah. is shocking. Yeah. That's exciting, though. Like, would you even like know what to do in New York? Like, is the bug that deep? <laughs> I was in New York last week, and um, man, I still did the New York thing. We, you know, I, I took my wife and her daughter, and we saw all of her friends. We went to like all of the new restaurants, you know. So it was, it was still kind of fun. 
but it wasn't as yeah. fun as golfing yesterday. So like, I would definitely <laughs> wow. say like, that was, that's a big that that's gift. A, that is. Yeah, yeah. But you know, obviously like I'm getting like the Jordan one sneakers. So it's like fun to like, you know, go you know, style <laughs> yeah. it out. Yeah. So I kind of call it like North, South, high, low. Uh, it's, it's been fun. That's awesome. And it's, it's interesting. So did you move down there because of family? Like what, what caused you to go down there? It was straight COVID. I think we came down thinking we were going to leave New York for like a week or two because her dad was like a retired doctor. He was like, you guys should come down, just get out of New York. And that first yeah. week we left. So I think the first COVID case showed up in New York like early, early March. And we left like that week, that, yeah. that Friday. Oh, wow. So we packed wow. for two weeks thinking we we're going to come back. You know, he's like overreacting and we yeah. just never came back. Yeah. Stay down and move. Wow. We moved to like Durham, which is like in the triangle right next to Raleigh here in North Carolina. So her family's from here. Wow. What's funny though is like half of my friends that lived in New York ended up moving out to where their wife's family, where, where they grew up. So it's like, I have a friend in Austin now. Boston, like we're outside of Boston. I'm in North Carolina. So um, it's, it's been interesting to see, but um, I actually like it a lot. So I don't think I'll ever move back to New York full time. So like, I'm really digging the, the suburban, whatever, whatever this is called. It fits <laughs> yeah. for this next chapter in my life. Well, it's just interesting. I mean, I think it's, I moved because of COVID too. And we moved back to where I grew up yeah. to be around a bunch of family and stuff. And it's been really great. And it, d- it has changed my perspective on the city. Yes. Where I used to think like this place is the best coffee on earth and it's important <laughs> that I drink the best coffee on earth every day and this is the best falafel place yeah. that has ever existed. And you go around thinking that and then I'm like, man, I go back. I'm like, some of this stuff is very good, but it's not It's not like this echelon above that I, was, I perceived it to be when I was like living in it. No, I, I agree. I, I went back to New York and holy shit, the coffee is like super expensive. I don't know if it's inflation, but yeah. I went and got a latte. It was like $8. You throw in tax and tip. And I was like, dude, $10 for a latte. It was it's good, absurd. though. It's wild. It was good. You know, it, it, is it good. had like the pretty picture on. Yeah, it was like, yeah. it was like artisanal. <laughs> and I was like, but, but dude, $10, this is, this is getting high. We have a lot of other stuff to talk about, but I, I'm really interested in this. So you move down there. You get excited about the space, the suburban living. Like it is so different. It's Very like the opposite yeah, of yeah. what you're doing before. And, you know, you've started multiple and sold multiple companies. Um, you've gone zero to one on a lot of stuff. And then here you're, you're basically like, all right, so golf, like, <laughs> is it just like you want to try something different? Because it does seem like if you were to take you today and you pre-COVID and you hold up like, hey, this is who Michael's going to be. Would you have believed it? No, no. Like when we first moved down here, we we're looking yeah. at houses and I refused to like look in neighborhoods that were on golf courses. I was like, there's no, there's absolutely no way. Yeah. I think it yeah. first evolved as like a COVID hobby because everyone had one and I was just super bored. Yeah. And one of my friends in New York also moved down here and he played a lot of golf. So, you know, I started playing and then I just caught the bug, you know, but I think what really changed if we go like super meta or super high level is I think once I sold the company and once I had a daughter, it really changed my perspective on what my priorities were. So I've worked in tech, especially tech startups for 15 years. You're grinding for 15 years. And I think near the end of that, whatever career, if that's what you call it, I was just kind of tired. You know, it's, I was kind of like, think about like an athlete that retires or that's not even a good example, but over a long period of time, when you're just grinding that long, you do, you do get tired. Um, and then when I had our daughter, just kind of reprioritize a lot of things. And the number one thing that I 
realized I didn't do is I never prioritized myself. Like, like when I was doing the companies, it's like, oh, we got to prioritize our employees, our customers, our investors. So I was last, and I ended up getting super burned out. Um, so more recently, as I got older, I was like, the top priority in my life is myself. I can take care of myself. I can take care of family. I could run the company. I could do all these things. Um, so that, that was like super top priority. So, and I used to be, I used to feel guilty for like going to a doctor appointment versus like this work meeting. And now I'm kind of like, nah, dude, like if I want to take a little bit of time off to go do this thing, I'm going to go do that thing. Because at the end of the day, like I need to take care of myself because that, that's the most important priority, um, in life. So that, that's, that was like the big perspective change or shift. That is a big shift. Especially with that understanding of kind of where you are now and how you think about it. And I mean, I can relate to what you're talking about because when we decided not to sell yeah. in 2017, I had told my wife up until that moment, I was like, someday we're going to sell this company. <laughs> and then we're going to have all this cash from all this time. I'm going to be able to be like super present with the kids and like we're going to take real vacations and all this stuff. And then when we decided not to sell, I was like, okay. <laughs> If we're not selling, what does this mean? It's like, I actually have to figure out a way yeah. of balancing my life because it's completely unsustainable. And that meant taking more vacation and working out and doing all these other things, which I know, I know exactly the feeling you're saying is like, can I leave the middle of the day to go to a doctor's appointment? Should I do that? Or should I put more time and effort into the business? And I asked myself the question, actually, I, I'm interested in your, in your answer on this. How would this be different in an early stage? Do you think like if you were to go back and start Skillshare again or start Otis again with this in your mind? Do you think it would like increase likelihood of success? Do you think it would decrease likelihood of success? Like, How do you think it would change how you did those businesses? So I, I approach Otis very differently where I try to balance. So my perspective now is like multiple things can be correct at the same time. Like you can work really hard and you can balance your life, right? And you can create those boundaries. So that was my mentality going into like the last company. I also like balance that with another perspective, like with a lot of early stage startups, specifically, whether it's a tech startup or a small business, there's so much luck and timing that goes into it. So it's kind of like, man, on one hand, I could work my ass off, but I might not get lucky. I might miss timing. So, and it might just be destined to fail. Um, or I could work very little and I get really lucky and it just kind of blows up. So I had this perspective that like half the equation is out of my control. So it's like, it is what it is. And when I look back at my time at Skillshare, I realized like we made so many mistakes and like a lot of the stuff that I thought mattered actually just didn't matter at the end of the day. It just didn't matter. Like this little- Wait, like what? Let's see if something like a good example could come to mind. So when I look back at Skillshare, there's a lot of luck and timing. Like we got really lucky with like, obviously video, I mean, we all did with video streaming becoming more ubiquitous, faster, et cetera. Yeah. And there were probably like, <laughs> five to seven decisions, like on average one a year that really just matter, that really move the needle. You know, one comes to mind is like when we hired our COO, who is now our CEO, that was a great decision because I, I was burned out. The company's moving to a different phase. I didn't align with my strings. I handed the baton and, you know, he scaled the company from there. Or like when we pivoted to online learning and we took a bet on video streaming um, and then pairing up subscription model, like those were the key decisions that matter. Some of the decisions that didn't matter were like this product feature. It's like, you just realize throughout your career that like eight out of 10 features people just don't use. So like sitting there debating, going circles around it, and it's just like, it just didn't matter. Um, I mean, there's like a long list and coming to the second company, you know, I created the boundaries where I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm leaving work at like five or six. 
Like I'm going to grind this out from like eight, nine to six. I'm going to be very effective with what I work on. I'm going to focus on the decisions that matter. I'm going to get as much leverage as possible. And I'm out. <laughs> like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm done. Did you have your daughter at that point? I did. And one of the most difficult times that I had to deal with was summer of 2019 because we just closed the seed round and we we're supposed to launch that summer. And our daughter was born three months early. So it was not oh, an wow. easy time because I had, wow. to, I had to wake up, go to the hospital, go to work, leave, go back to the hospital and just do that over and over again for like almost a hundred wow. days. So it wasn't easy. Yeah. So that kind of forced me to really prioritize because I was like, Hey, my daughter's in the hospital. That's like the most important thing. And I don't have the energy to deal with like all this that just doesn't matter. Like, and I just held that mentality throughout, throughout the tenure of like just running Otis. And if you fast forward, a lot of people don't know this, but we did for a quarter experiment with a four day work week and it worked really, really, really well. Hell yeah. yeah so, I mean, there's, there's pros and cons <laughs> to it, but I would definitely say like, we had like a team that was like a fifth maybe even a 10th of like our biggest competitor. And I would say our output was almost similar. Um, so there, there's a lot of different perspectives, but to circle back to your first question, um, I create boundaries and I don't feel guilty anymore. And I just realize a lot of things don't matter. And I try to focus on the things I do and make the best decisions I can in those scenarios and try to get as much leverage as possible. That's great advice, I think. And, you know, hard won lessons in there. I think also the reason I ask about your daughter being born or not, as I definitely noticed when I came back from parental leave after my first daughter was born, was this feeling of like, don't waste my time in yeah, these meetings yeah. anymore. Like, like I would get into a meeting and people would just be like shooting this <laughs> like that's fine. And then like, I would feel like we're wasting time or we're going to go over on the meeting yeah. and like everything's going to get pushed. I'm like, I have this alternative now that I never had before yeah. of this other human being. And I, this is kind of like a classic thing that happens when people are parents. I think it's like you understand that it's it's different than your partner. It's different than yourself. It's like another human. I mean, there's a lot of hard one lessons in there. And I can't even imagine how hard that was also to like Dude, have that first moment be like your kids in the hospital. It was so difficult. I mean, just thinking back to it, which was like over three years ago, it, it was like a really difficult time. Um, but yeah, I was a first time parent, had no idea what I was doing. It was like such a weird start. Um, but I definitely think it really created like a really strong attachment I had to our daughter just because of the way our relationship yeah. started and parents, your, your brain does get rewired. And now you have to be even more efficient <laughs> with your time. Cause like she gets some like <laughs> virus or bacteria from school. Like I'm still coughing yeah. from what she had like, um, like a couple of weeks ago. So it's like, it's, brutal. Yeah, it's so especially brutal, when they're, man. they're little and they're first exposed to everything. <laughs> but yeah, I think parenting is for me is like been such a blessing and and so instrumental in, in like how I'm viewing life today as well. That's awesome. Um, one more question that is on like the market and luck, because you, you mentioned this in there, and I think it's something that is really easy not to see necessarily when you're in a business, right? Like you get passionate, you decide you have this like, big opportunity, you want to go after it. Of course, when you're thinking that way, you feel like the market's ready for it. But then you also said like, it's not all in your control, right? Like, it's actually the big realization is, yes, it is what I'm doing and it's what the market wants. What advice would you give somebody who's starting if you're trying to help them figure out if it's the right time to go after an opportunity or if you think the market's there or not? If like someone asked me that question today, I would say, I don't know. 
for what we do in venture tech startups, like you're basically taking a bet against the consensus and you're hoping that you're right. And if you're right, like you get really huge outcomes. But the trade-off with that is like, I think I read over the past decade, there's like a, a thousand total unicorns. That was like pre like market drop. So I, I would probably say that that answer is closer to like 500 or let's just say TAF or 20, 30% less. Yeah. That's not a lot of companies that reach unicorn status from how many are funded, how many are we getting started. So no. I, I think my answer would be like, just really understand the risk and the, and the trade-offs. Because on the other hand, you can get into something like real estate, where if you work really hard, you know, the probability of you becoming successful is much higher than trying to pull off like a tech startup. Um, and there's so many flavors in between as well. Because I mean, I also angel invest and there's some companies that pass on. I was like, there's no way that that's going to work today. It's like, poof, it just takes off. Or there's other ones I'm like, oh, perfect timing's now. And it doesn't take off. So it's like, and then there's some where you just like force it to work, right? There's just so many different flavors of how, how things shake out. But, um, you know, as a, as an entrepreneur or founder, you have to be kind of delusional. You have to be a little crazy and you have to kind of believe your idea is going to work. But at the same time, you also have to be realistic. You have to just know when it's just not going to work and the opportunity cost for you to keep working on something that's just not going to work is very high, like extremely high. And yeah, there's like that one story you hear of a company that pivoted 14 times and that 15th time it turned into Slack. It's like, yeah, of course that yeah. happens, but that's like one out of a million, you know, like one out of 10 million, one of, you know, it's like so rare. So I actually think that more founders should shut down their businesses or throw in the towel and, and just move on. Um, or more founders should start something that puts a little cash in their, in their bank account that allows them to take a huge swing later. So I don't think that this traditional venture path is the only path. I think there's so many other flavors, so many other ways entrepreneurs can like build things. Um, it's just the way the math works out. It's like not everyone can make the NBA. It's just the way it is. So that would be my answer to market timing. It's like, it depends on what type of business you're approaching. And if you're doing this like grand slam, it's like, dude, you really have one in a million shot here. So <laughs> think about it like that. Yeah. yeah. Go in, go in, yeah, go in, go in, knowing what game you're playing and being okay with whatever the outcome is, because the outcome is probably going to be, it's not going to work. It is interesting you say that. And I think the NBA analogy is interesting because there's, you know, what are we talking like 200 people yeah, in the NBA, yeah. but the number of people who care about basketball, very large. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but I think about like the meritocracy that like exists of like the best of the best, of the best, the only people get there. And everyone who's not getting there, someone's at some point is saying like, you're not going to make it. Yeah. Right. Which is a kind of like, if that was the only way we thought about startups, a lot of companies wouldn't start that end up being great, I think, but often I don't think people raise money, then someone tells them like, no, you're not going to be in the NBA. It feels like a funny dynamic because it's most of the incentives are around trying to get everyone to believe they will get there. Uh, of course. And it's not, in my head, it's not super binary like that. It's like, okay, if you're going to raise money from venture capitalists to build a, a unicorn, you should know the rules of the game that you're entering, right? Like if you build yes. a business that makes $5 million a year and it, it stalls out, like that is a failure in that, in that world. In that world, yes. But yes. building a business that makes $5 million is phenomenal, right? So if you just change the game you're playing, that's great. Like you can raise yep. a little bit of capital, you know, and, and if you get there, you get there and you can sell the company, you keep running it, you could do whatever you want. So I think that's kind of what I've been thinking a lot about after like having this career is 
what are alternative paths that entrepreneurs could take that's not this like grand slam make the nba professional sports because yeah if you're building autonomous driving cars or spaceships or nuclear energy or whatever yeah like that's great for humanity and people should take huge swings if you're building like i'm not gonna name any examples not that you know and it's yeah (laughs) yeah maybe you shouldn't raise 10 million dollars to go build something um maybe you should raise like 500k and get it to 10 million and you have a great outcome or maybe it's self-funded maybe it's bootstrapped everyone's aligned everyone's aligned with that outcome and you get financial freedom and independence which i think is the most important thing you can purchase with your money um if you're successful let's dig into that a little bit because you sold otis skillshare wildly successful do you feel like you have financial freedom now yeah i got really lucky got really lucky with skillshare got really lucky with otis got really lucky with angel investing got really lucky with you know the timing run when i came into crypto so i I definitely do feel like i have financial independence um i think for most people that number is much lower than you think um i don't think money you know buys like true happiness but um it does buy a lot of independence and freedom which i think leads to purpose and fulfillment and all that that people talk about <laughs> all that yeah all that stuff so and, and what is what does that mean for you now i mean i know you're taking a break yeah, and yeah. you're trying to figure out like what do you want to do next like i know you're you're on the golf course yeah, yeah. and i know i know you're doing some camping but like <laughs> when you're doing those things which is like obviously becoming your passion right now are you thinking like oh i can make a business like walk us through what your process is right now yeah, yeah. um and i'll say before you answer i have a friend well, a few friends who've sold their business the last few years. And it's interesting to see how divergent this process is for folks um, at this moment. It's all over the place. I've talked to a lot of founders too, and it sounds kind of cheesy, but it's kind of like a lot of questions like, what, what's the purpose of life? What am I supposed to do here? You know, you ask yourself those questions. But for me personally, I would say my personality is like, yeah, I walk around and I come up with ideas. I'm like looking at this, oh, there's a way more efficient way to do this. Like I went on for a run this morning. I was like, why hasn't anyone built a social network? You know, like a new one, you know? So I'm always thinking of ideas, but my personality is I'm like always on the far ends of the spectrum. So like I went like super hard and, you know, tech startups, sold this company. And then recently I'm like, okay, I'm gonna play golf, you know, like go down the hobby route, like got into Legos. And then where I landed is somewhere in the middle, which is, I think where most life happens is like in the middle of these far extremes. And I realized it's like, for my personality, which I think is true for most people, like you have to have some purpose and you have to kind of work on something. I don't know what that is, but that's kind of like been the journey since then. And, you know, I went from like, um, I don't know if this is kind of embarrassing, but I'll just kind of tell you guys, I went from like, you know, <laughs> like buying a bunch of stuff, you know, um, selling all those things. I was like, dude, that didn't do anything. If anything, it's causing more stress. It's like, I don't want anyone dinging that car or I don't want this expensive as painting in my house. So then you start mm-hmm. selling all those things. And then, then I went from like, you know, like coming with a bunch of tech ideas to coming up with no ideas. And then, you know, trying to, you know, figure out like what I want to do and realizing how much your ego is involved into that. And then going the far other end of the spectrum. So like this journey that I've been <laughs> on has been like all over the place and I'm still kind of exploring it. But I think where I'm landing is, working on things that you want to work on with people that you want to work with and on something that gets you kind of excited where if you make money, that's great. And for my personality, it's like, that's like just a great scorecard, but not to like make money to go buy more things. And the funny thing is 
if I scroll all the way back, there's there's a certain amount of money that I think most people have to have financial independence. Obviously, the lower your expenses are, like the lower that number is. And every other dollar after that just doesn't matter. Like it just doesn't matter. I, I think I wrote a tweet storm a couple weeks ago of something that was worth like a hundred million dollars. There's a, like a lot of lessons there went viral, but the thing that stood out for me is like he literally could not spend that money. He like physically could not spend any like one dollar. I think it was over like ten or twenty million. And for the average person, that's like a lot of money, but like whatever that number is for you personally, like everyone's number is going to be different, but he like couldn't spend it. And then he kind of went full circle back to like, what's important, like having a sense of purpose, having great relationships, you know, having great health, you know, and whatever that is for everyone can be different. And the things that matter to him were things that were just like free in life. This doesn't cost anything. So that, that was kind of like my full circle. Um, so I don't know what I'm gonna do. I might start a company. I might start a YouTube channel. I might become, a, you know, like, like a family husband and parent, dad. Um, no clue, but I'm kind of just taking it step by step. Wow. First of all, thank you for sharing that with us. I think it's not an experience that most people. It's an experience that people dream of experiencing, but don't know what it's really like. Um, and it's interesting too that you said that you bought all this stuff and then looking for happiness and realizing, like, actually this is stressful to have these things. <laughs> I don't, I don't want, you them. Don't, I don't want them. And then I went to buy experiences. You know, it's kind of like you do that, you travel. I can't travel like all the time. I can't play golf all day. I can't just sit around and read books. Um, and then you start looking for things to do that bring fulfillment. And you talked about having like a team of people you want to work with working on a common purpose, like, you know, having had multiple companies, investing in lots of things, seeing how these things have functioned, having a chance by yourself to like reflect on all of this. When you think now about like, what does an amazing team look like? Like what's a team that you want to spend time with look like? Yeah. What is that? Uh, right now it's no one. Like <laughs> I'm on that far end of the, ex the extreme where I don't want to manage anyone. I don't want to work with anyone right now. But I think to answer your other question in there, if I do want to work on something, I'm okay with it breaking even. I'm okay with working with people that might not be like the best for the role, but they have high potential and I, I could just mentor them. Um, so hmm. and I think that like I'm really craving right now is like cre creativity because I just went through a whole career. I'm not saying like being a founder is not creative, but it's super operational. It's super analytical. It's like extremely detail oriented. And I was like, man, I just want to do something creative right now. So the thought of like working with an editor for like a YouTube channel to me is like very appealing, you know, to be able to collaborate on ideas and come up with them and put them out. So I'm kind of in that world. I think I probably would start another company and the people I wouldn't work with, I think, um, you know, wouldn't want to have to work in a very certain way, probably create that culture from day one. But um, I'm just not like mentally there yet. I, th I think it's like, you know, the, the saying, you know, every like, junior person wants to become the manager and the manager wants to be the director, director VP and the VP wants to be CEO and the CEO just wants to open up a coffee shop in the middle of like some random like town. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm in, I'm in that state right now where I'm like, maybe I just should open a coffee shop and just like operationalize this. It would be like the most well-run coffee shop in like this area. But, well, it seems like it would need to be creative too. Yeah, I mean, it yeah. seems like you're going to need some sweet latte art. You're going to need, you're gonna need something, <laughs> something yeah. that's very different to scratch that itch. But I mean, can you, you know, you said that comment, which is so classic, right? Of like wanting to climb the ladder. And then, you know, when you get there, 
obviously it's it can be quite lonely at the top and it's not exactly what you what everyone thinks it would be do you want to just like i feel like you're in a unique spot to talk about that because you've been in that role multiple times and now you're not and you don't need to be like how how do you think people should think about their career like that like if you're not the founder but you're joining a company or you're joining a project like what should you think about should it be about title should it be what what advice would you give to someone today on that um I think the founder is one of the worst roles that anyone can actually do. It is so lonely. It's so stressful. Um, the odds are against you. On the on the flip side, it's so fulfilling. It's so much fun. You could change a lot of lives, and you could derive a lot of fulfillment from it. Obviously, if you're successful, it changes your net worth dynamic too. Um, I, I think the advice I would give is probably slightly different. It would be really centered around like. Um, which path do you want to take? Like, that is a very traditional path. It's, I think, today, it's a very traditional career. Or do you want to take a non traditional path and blaze your own trail and create your own rules? Like, I'm kind of like observing like a lot of these YouTubers and, and creators. I'm like, man, what they're building is kind of, kind of amazing. You know, like they get to be their own boss, they get to create content, they get, you know, to make money doing it, they get to work with the team. And it's a very non traditional path. Maybe in 10 years, it'll become more traditional. And, there's so many other examples like that where um, I would probably nudge people to take the more non-traditional path if they wanted to do that. Uh, but yeah, if you want to take a traditional path, that's just what it is. It's like you work here, you get promoted, you take on more responsibility and get there and you get more stressed out and you have way more, you know, get more anxiety as you climb the ladder. <laughs> uh, but it just depends on what the person wants to do. Um, so yeah, all of my advice to people when they ask me, it's like, it really comes down to what you want to do. There's no wrong answer. Here's spectrum and you just kind of figure out where yeah. you want to land on that spectrum. You know, when you go to a restaurant, they're like, do you want it really spicy or do you want it like mild or do you want something in the middle? It's like, no wrong answer. You just kind of have to figure out what that, where you are on that spectrum. It's like that choose your own adventure, but know what the adventure is, right? Yes, it's you like, got it. Choose your own. I feel like everyone is like, choose your own adventure. And it seems like there's a second part of that sentence. Yeah. That's missing. Choose your adventure, but really know the rules of the game that you're playing. You know, like and what game you're yeah. playing. I, I think a lot of people don't even know what game they're playing when when they when yeah, they that, choose that adventure. It's like yeah. you got to know the rules of the game in the game. And then if you're okay with that, cool. Um, but it's like yeah, you can't just like show up to a game and not know the you know like not know what not game know you're playing. Rules. Yeah, you can't go to basketball court and just start playing tennis. <laughs> exactly. I feel like that's like a big theme of this interview is basically like know the rules of the game that you're getting into and what you're signing up for and what that actually means. Yeah. And like, it's the people who exactly as you're saying, they're trying to play tennis on the basketball court. Yeah. And it just doesn't work. And they're confused. Like, like to your point earlier, it's like, yeah, you hit 5 million in revenue. Like if you have a five person business, that's Dude, the greatest that's phenomenal. business ever. Like, it's, Dude, it's insane. So and that actually happens. Yeah. All and the time. People all the time. It happens all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's shockingly common. I mean, I was talking to a friend the other day who has a $10 million business. He's so stressed and trying to work through all these like super hard problems. And like, you know, he's like, why is it not way bigger? Blah, 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 blah. And it's like, it's like, but actually in, in that case, like they have, uh, you know, complete freedom to, to kind of build the business however they want. And the rules are even set up properly for the game that they're playing. But still, it's like, it's so hard to get perspective, I think, yeah, on yeah. your own career and life and like how it all fits into the big picture. I would take that 
over like almost every other scenario. If I was like a young entrepreneur, like that is not a failure in, in my mind. I think having the freedom to choose the path that you want to take in that scenario, I would argue that like 99.99999% founders and entrepreneurs don't have that. Like they, they don't. Yeah. If you have like investors, if you have like all these others, like expectations that are put on the company. The, the company that has the five to 10 million revenue where they can do that, that is a phenomenal place to be. In. And I think we have to like shepherd that as like a success versus a failure. Yeah, it's, it's interesting too, because I feel like it's been seen as a failure in tech, but it's starting to shift around, I think, as the costs of starting a company have gone down, like come yeah, down. Yeah. But it's like, you know, I have a bunch of friends that run, I'll call them, quote, traditional businesses, you know, like plumbing and yeah. like heating and all this. And they're all making like unbelievable, their, their businesses are in this range, right? And they're, they're all profitable and they're consistent. And it's like, the trend isn't, do you, are people still going to need to heat their houses in yeah. 10 years or 20 years? Yes. yes. Like, are they still going to want water? Yes. yes. And, I, and I think there's like, it's, it's kind of interesting to think about like looking for that flash in the pan versus like looking for the thing that is actually fulfilling and gives you what you need to even have the shot at going after the bigger thing and yeah. not have to have it work, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, Michael, thank you so much for being here with us today. Yeah, this is great. This is a great conversation. I appreciate you being so transparent and open. Not everyone does that. And uh, you really do it uh, in such a, such a thoughtful way. Um, and it's been too long, man. Like, yeah. I, I feel like I don't play golf, but I feel like we, we've got to get some golf in this game. <laughs> yeah. I'll embarrass myself. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was, thanks for having me. This is a great conversation and it was great to catch up as well. And for people who don't follow you yet, like where can folks find you online? Where can they connect with you? Probably mostly on Twitter. Just Mike Carnes, M-I-K-E-K-A-R-N-J on Twitter. Awesome. All right, man. Well, look, good luck out there on the course, I mean. Uh, and um, enjoy North Carolina. And thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. You know, I think the thing that's really fun about that conversation for me, there's many things that are fun about it, but I mean, I haven't talked to him in a long time. Yeah. And to see him like... You were just like two dads. Just two dads. Up. Just Just a couple dads. of dads. Yes. Why did I swear then? I don't know, but... I don't know. Uh, just dad stuff. Uh, no, but I think it was interesting to see someone who has gone on this journey and scaled some companies and got really tired and like made some decisions and different decisions than I've made. And some things are really the same and some things are completely different. And I don't know, I just found that really interesting. And I just appreciate too, he's so willing to talk about this stuff and be really thoughtful about it. And I think a lot of people, you know, who uh, not everyone is willing to kind of share those struggles. Totally. And even, even what he said is like, I'd prefer to run the business that's, that's making five or 10 million. Most people wouldn't even say that. Yeah. Because that can be perceived as a failure in this world. Which and is, so, that's so why, I mean coming from a very different perspective than either one of you, that is a wild thing that that could be perceived as a failure. So, yes. yeah, I mean, there were so many things like how much of success is about luck. Like that was, that was also super frank, super candid. Yes. Um, and yeah, thinking about other episodes that we've done in the past where we've had entrepreneurs on the show talk about like, you know, playing the long game, like building the life you want to live um, and how he he got there maybe in a way where 
it was almost like he was learning things as he was building Skillshare, as he was building Otis, and that was informing his next decision. And so like, I really appreciated him breaking down that process for us as well. Yeah, that was very cool. And it was also interesting, we talked about the stress of being a founder. I was sitting here just thinking like, I did have that problem for periods of time of not being able to scratch the creative itch. And then there were ways that I found for me that like did fulfill that. Mm-hmm. And how important that is for me is actually similar, but I was, I've been able to find a like this show is part of that for me, right? Love it. And it's so it's just interesting because it's like, it's those basic elements that we need as a human to feel like the work we're doing is important and it's worthy of our time and and that we also have like this balance and like, I don't know, it's just, it, it's it's interesting stuff. I hope if you watched today, if you listened, like you can ask yourself those questions too. You know, 100%. Am, am I getting what I need? Maybe I should be happier with where I'm at. Maybe I should be less happy. I don't know what it, where you're gonna end up, but yeah. I think asking those questions is like such a, a healthy thing. I totally agree. And I think we're both like almost tongue-tied or more tongue-tied than usual just because so much of the interview was so existential like yes Yes. it's about you know being a founder being an entrepreneur finding creative fulfillment being a parent but like a lot of it is exactly what you're talking about those bigger broader questions that like we do contend with but maybe not on a very conscious level it's very easy not to contend with them it's very easy to just be busy and keep going but you know, even just the juxtaposition of like COVID moved to a different place, completely different hobbies into things I never thought I would be into thinking differently about the previous time. Like all of that is just like, it's heady. And it's heady. I think it, but it's healthy too. It's a healthy question to ask. Cause I think it increases the likelihood that you end up on a path you're actually excited about. Um, all right, look, thank you to the talking to loud heads who are out there. I did get some emails by the way, <laughs> like what we should call I don't think we've done, we don't need to get into this now. That's next time. But if you if you like the show, please rate and review it wherever you listen to it. It is very helpful for us. It spreads the word. Uh, it helps more people find the show. If you have feedback, you can email us at ttlpod at wissia.com. You can find me on Twitter at C Savage and on LinkedIn, I think at CJ Savage and on TikTok at something else <laughs> and a few other places too. Amazing. And you can find Sylvie at Gimme the Loot. That's right. And that is it for today. Take care, everyone. Stay heady and stay healthy. Nailed it. That was good, right? Talking Too Loud is brought to you by Wistia. Hosted by Chris Savage. Produced by me, Sylvie Lubau, along with Adam Day. Executive produced by Wistia Studios. This episode was mixed by Maria Passingham of Edit Audio. Listen to Talking Too Loud wherever you listen to podcasts. And hey, rate and review us wherever you listen. And check out more content from Wistia Studios at wistia.com.